Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic from the Batch Bitch podcast, it's Danielle Walker and Naomi Higgins. Hello. 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 <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Great to have a bit of that batch bitch energy. How are you feeling? Oh, we are feeling antagonistic. We're ready. <laughs> oh, really? Ready to take down this classic? Yeah, and each and other. And fight with each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. And we say, should we behave when we're on other people's podcasts? And then we say no. No, please don't. I think last time I had you both on together, you were about midway through a season of Married at First Sight. Oh, no. And slowly losing oh, your mind you on your podcast. <laughs> I just want to check in how you, how you guys are doing now these days. Have you recovered from that awful, awful season? Oh, I mean, you know, well, there'll always be trauma, but um, but we're doing well at the moment. We just finished The Bachelor, which like was so, so boring this year that it didn't really yeah. affect us. And now we're in a break. The Bachelorette will start very soon. Um, I think this week, which is fine, but... I think it's next know, week. I think, I think we've think also said... a week break. Oh, okay. Oh, is there? That's good. Yeah. Jono mm-hmm. looked up if we had to watch any reality TV this week, and he said this week, but now I'm hoping he's wrong. Yeah, but I think he's wrong. we've said we'll never do Married at First Sight ever again. <laughs> so. yeah, which, I, which is, again, I asked for that this year. I said, let's not do it this year. And Danielle went, ha-ha, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and I said, please. <laughs> and she said, ha-ha. But and now, then somebody put shit on another person's toothbrush and I was like, all right, maybe not again. <laughs> Please don't bring that up. Please don't bring it up. I don't want yeah. to talk about it again. It makes me so upset. Here's the trauma. Here's the PTSD. It's sorry, sorry. I can't do it again. I can't do it again. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing slightly better these days. <laughs> um so thanks for coming back on the show. Um, Naomi, I was about to reveal before we recorded the book we're going to do, but you don't you didn't want to know until this very moment. So this yeah. is a very real moment. Uh-huh. I'm telling you. Authentic. The the book that we are covering this week, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, it is called and I'm gonna hold it up in my Zoom window, uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Ooh, I've never no, heard of it. Never heard <laughs> of it. But beautiful book cover. Oh yes, yeah. it's got Bees and flowers and gold sort of... It's embossed. Yes, that's gold embossing. Yeah, that's um, lovely. Stunning. Never judge a book by its cover, I can say. Oh, that. sorry, it's shit. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, you, you get to tell me what you think of it at the end uh, of the podcast. But uh, I've got a sh- 
Shout out to three people that suggested this book, and that is uh, Kendra Mickles from Belfast in New York State in the USA, wow. Sophie from Northcote here in Victoria, and also Tracy Towley told me that I should get on it. So thanks to those people. Where's Tracy from? No word. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Do you want to have a guess? Um, Townsville. New Tracy Towley from Townsville. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> we get it. Do you we know, know her? Tracy. But, uh, no, I don't know her, but, yeah, I know a lot of Tracys from Townsville. <laughs> Tracy's <laughs> a very common name in Townsville. I think it was the most popular name in 1981 in Townsville. I don't really know nice. that. I'm just guessing because uh, there's a lot of Tracys around. <laughs> just throw it. Just make it a statistic. Why not? I know a few Tracys. Most popular name in 1981. Why not? <laughs> Makes I'm sense pretty sure me. Danielle was actually the most popular name in 1992. I went to school, oh, my wow. school grade was like 50 people and I went to school with two other Daniels and two Daniels. That's crazy. So it's 10% Daniel or Danielle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is confusing. Big time popular name. I was named after um, Naomi in the Bible and Naomi means pleasant. And then um, Na- in the Bible, <laughs> Naomi's... Um, three sons and her husband die they all die and so she's like Naomi is too pleasant a name so she changes her name to Mara <laughs> so apologies <laughs> to any Maras out there but <laughs> no, she's like, you got a yeah. depressing ass name <laughs> this suits me better. so we're both so we both have literary names because you were named after Naomi in the bible and I was named after Danielle Steele Who's that the author is that true <laughs> she's like a novelist yeah oh, you mum loved that Danielle before. Steele <laughs> Wait, does she do like clit lit? Yeah, I think so. I've never read one. <laughs> yeah, me either. Too highbrow, I guess. Next time we get you on Book Cheat, we'll cover a bit of Danielle Steele so you understand your name a bit more. Great. Thank and you, then, I'd I, love that. then next time we'll just read the Bible for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Believe it or not, a lot of people do suggest that I do the Bible. It's But there's so many stories. Oh, that's so too much. You, you can't fit that into couldn't. an hour. No. Every week. Also, Ooh. we. we I mean, one way or another, the book is always made fun of at least a little bit. And I think that would offend a few people. So I don't think it's... <laughs> oh, now we can get over it. Yeah. Get over <laughs> it, losers. All right. Well, let me uh, tell you about this uh, this week's book. And that is Their Eyes Were Watching God by American author Zora Neale Hurston. At the height of the Harlem Renaissance in New York in the 1920s, my copy of the book describes Hurston as, quote, the preeminent black woman writer in the United States... She experienced great success and wrote screenplays, poems, short stories, and four novels, including her most famous work, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which came out in 1937. Wow. So, so she she was very famous for a time, but sadly by uh, the 50s, she was living in obscurity and working as a maid in a Florida hotel. And when she died in 1960, she probably couldn't have predicted that in the 70s, her work would be rediscovered and republished to critical and commercial acclaim. So she's sadly one of those people oh. that, that died not knowing how influential she was going to be. No. Oh, that sucks. Oh. Uh, de- described as, quote, the first major novel published by a black woman, Hurston is now recognised as one of the most influential African-American writers of the 20th century. And now there's like a bunch of museums and all sorts of stuff dedicated to her because, yeah, of the influence that sadly after her death she uh, found. Well, good oh. for her eventually. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But bit of a bummer overall. (laughs) No, it sucks. It really does. Uh, The book uses a 1900s Southern American dialect when quoting the characters, which took me a little bit to get used to as things are written out phonetically. 
But it means mm. eventually, once you get it, you're able to hear the characters in your mind. And I'm not going to do. I'm not going to read out too many sentences of that because I don't want to be doing. I don't want to be doing any accents. <laughs> Why not? But just to give you an idea, it's stuff like the, uh, when you they're talking about themselves. Instead of I, they'll write A H R, and uh, get is written as git G I T. That sort of stuff. Oh wow! And I get. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You get it, right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's that southern. I reckon I'd quite enjoy reading that. That's a fun one to read. Yeah. Like, I imagine you, know. you just reading it and then walking around with a southern accent for a week, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love that. At the moment, all I keep doing is singing songs but changing every lyric to be a parody song about poop. So uh. um, I think that will be a welcome change oh. in our house. I mean, I've got to ask for an example here. What's, what's your favourite at the moment? Um, poop, 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 poop. I want to do a poop. <laughs> wow. How do you come, things like that? How do you come wow. up with it? How do you do it? <laughs> there was one last night I was doing, but it was an ABBA song, but I can't remember. But that one was genuinely really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I can't. It. I can't remember what it was though. Sorry. <laughs> we'll just have to move on. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to compare now. But when the characters aren't speaking in the dialect, the rest of the novel is written in very flowing poetic language, which is demonstrated in the first line that I read to you now. Mm. It's uh, well, here's a, the first couple of paragraphs. Just to give you a bit of an idea of what we're dealing with here. The opening line is, Ships at a distance have every man's wish on board. For some, they come in with the tide. For others, they sail forever on the same horizon, never out of sight, never landing until the watcher turns his eyes away in resignation. His dreams mocked to death by time. That is the life of men. Now, women forget all those things they don't want to remember and remember everything they don't want to forget. The dream is the truth. Then they act and do things accordingly. And we're off. Bit of poetry there. (laughs) Wow. You know, I don't understand poetry, but I appreciate it. It sounds good, right? (laughs) It did sound good. (laughs) I do feel like I resonate with the the men and having the hopes on board a ship because I purchased something from America recently and it's it's well not recently actually I would say about six weeks ago and it's still not arrived so my wow. dreams have not been fulfilled yet perpetually oh. on the horizon oh no but never out of sight yes and you're gonna turn away in exactly. cold brew coffee <laughs> I am <laughs> it is cold brew coffee I'm waiting for it where is it <laughs> Well, so just to give a bit of translation of that opening line, it's really saying that men don't really reach for their dreams, but women do. And that is basically what this story is, a woman pursuing her dream. Mm. But, we'll, but we'll get to that. Yeah, Yas Queen is, all I, is how I'd like to start this <laughs> off. <laughs> well, our story opens in Florida as people sitting on their front porches watch and commentate as a woman walks down the street. We learn that the woman walking down the street, name is Janie Stark. She's our main character, Janie Stark. The town gossip about her as she makes her return to a town she hasn't been to for a couple of years. We read that she's back from burying the dead, but the people on the porch speculate as to why she's back and what she's been up to in the last couple of years. To be honest, they're downright mean and very judgmental. They speculate as to why she wears overalls and not a nice dress, why she lets her hair (laughs) hang down like a young woman when she's now in her 40s, where her money is, since her husband died, and where the young man she left the town with is now. Maybe that young man, a man named Tea Cake, took all her money. <laughs> so my instinct here is to point, what's her name again? Someone Stark? Janie Starks. Is my, Jane, my, my instinct is to say, 
Janie starts as the main character, which is, of course, um, a, a turn of phrase used by um, children on TikTok now to say um, it doesn't matter what people think of you because you're interesting and they're all boring. But it works more literally than that because she is also literally the main character of the book. Wow. There you go. So how do people say it on TikTok? They're like, oh, they're my main character. No, if you like, you see a cool TikTok by someone and they're wearing nice clothes or they're funny or something, you'd be like, how does it feel to be the main character? Love it. Because everyone else is boring, you know? But um, obviously that comes from the fact that um, this is an example of where that actually comes from. So kind of a silly use of the turn of phrase to just describe someone as the main character when they're literally the main character. And that's she is the main character. And she how the is turn very, of phrase was But done. she is different to everyone else. And that's why they're all very, very judgmental. And they're like, what happened to her, the man she left? Tea they cake. sound like losers <laughs> to me. Yeah. How old is she? Did, did it say how 40. old she was? Uh, yeah, she's in her 40s, early 40s now. Okay, so she's not supposed to wear overalls in your 40s? Yeah, That's her like, thing? Yeah, they wanted to wear... I think a, women aren't supposed to wear overalls. Yeah, she should be wearing a nice dress, not working clothes, I think they're saying. Okay, and her hair shouldn't be long. Well, that's, yeah, still, no. that's still today. People, older women tend to have shorter hair. Mm, but she's got really, really long hair, and it's referred to throughout the book many times as very, very beautiful hair. Mm. So the women judge her, and the men, they still find her attractive. But she walks on and into her own gate, not really looking back or stopping to talk to any of these people. Mm-hmm. The only person that defends Janie is her friend Phoebe, who excuses herself from the group to deliver a plate of food to Janie, which she's happy to receive. And uh, when she's told of the speculation about the town, she, she laughs it off. And uh, her and Phoebe have a good old chat. And Janie re- reveals that she was living with the man named Tea Cake in the Everglades in another part of Florida. And the only reason she's back is Tea Cake is gone and she had nothing left to make her happy where she was. Phoebe is confused and she doesn't realise that Janie means that Tea Cake is dead. Oh, no. Sorry Did she kill say. him? <gasps> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Don't ask. Good on her. <laughs> <laughs> Tea Cake's a terrible name. Good on her. <laughs> well, she's not sure where to start with the story, so she's like, let me just tell you everything up until this point. So she decides to reminisce on her entire life and start from her childhood, which doesn't make 100% sense because her and Phoebe were friends for 20 years, somewhere in that period. So presumably Phoebe knows a lot of the story already. Babe, it's hard to get <laughs> exposition into a story, okay? It's a good plot device, so we'll go with it. Okay, okay. It's not a good plot device, but it had to be done. <laughs> I mean, she literally even mentions uh, having conversations with Phoebe in the recount to Phoebe. <laughs> well, she does tell a lifelong story up until that point. That's what the whole book is. It's like, let me tell you how I got here. Mm. So she grew up with her grandmother, who she called Nanny, in a house on the property of Nanny's white employer and played with the owner's white grandchildren. She didn't even realise, this is Janie, that she herself wasn't white until she saw a photo of herself as a six-year-old. She got teased at school for living with the white people and for her parents' background and for being mixed race. So she didn't, she felt like she didn't fit in anywhere. A classic tale. That's what happened to Obama. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I read. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Nanny was a woman with uh, big dreams, dreams from her father, perhaps, and uh, a bit of an Obama reference there. Thank you. Uh, Janie, <laughs> Nanny worked hard and saved up to buy them a house of their own. 
when Jenny was 16, she had a bit of a, a love and sexual awakening while sitting under a pear tree one day. It's all very symbolic. And there's literally birds and bees flying into flowers around in this scene. What? And she got horny? So what happens with the pears? Did she... <laughs> It's like, what, have you seen Call Me By Your pear? Name, Danielle? No. Oh, what happens never mind. that? What does someone do to a pear <laughs> in that movie? <laughs> no, never. That would have been a fun reference if either of you have seen it. He fucks a peach. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. He had, a, he had his own awakening with a peach. She had one he with did. a pear tree. Basically, she's just sitting under the tree and looking at the wonder of nature and it's a symbolic awakening. Uh, And one day she kissed a local boy named Johnny Taylor over the gatepost at their house. And Nanny, looking out the window, saw this and flipped out. She'd hoped that Janie would be a bit older when she got interested in boys. How old was she? 16 years old. I mean, what? (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. Not right, Nanny. I got turned on by, like, Kovu from The Lion King 2 at 8. (laughs) All right? Yeah. That was... That was your awakening, the Lion King. Yeah, just a cartoon lion. And then I reckon I remember the next time I felt it was when Troy came out and everybody was obsessed with Orlando Bloom. But I saw Brad Pitt's naked butt lying down, and I just like went like, "Ugh!" <laughs> wow. And I, I got turned on again. One time I by saw... a lion, another time by Brad Pitt's <laughs> butt. So mine was Paul Dano and Little Miss Sunshine because at the end when they dance to Super Freak, he sort of gyrates on stage for one point five seconds, and I just play that on repeat. <laughs> Whoa. Were you wearing wearing out that oh, part of the videotape? Um, it was a DVD. Dave, I'm a baby. <laughs> anyway, please. No, but she, it's fucked she got turned on by pears, seriously. Well, it's symbolic, Danielle. Yeah, so yes. it was the lion. That was symbolic too. <laughs> so was Brad Pitt's butt. Symbolic. Symbolic of the other half of his butt. <laughs> I had to imagine the rest of yourself. I mean, we've all done it. Um, so she kissed Johnny Taylor. Nanny sees that and goes, whoa, 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 this is not good. Janny protests that it was just innocent curiosity, but Nanny proclaimed that Janny would now have to marry someone for her own protection. So she's really, what? really exaggerated the scene here. She's surprised he's kissing so- she's kissing someone and now she wants to marry her off. Oh, good Lord. Wait, wow. so it's like you're too young to be doing this, so now you have to go get married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So if anyone had looked at Danielle during the Lion King scene, they would have married her off instantly. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, Janie, understandably, was very shocked and protested at this, but when Nanny said, you know, she planned to marry her off, especially she was shocked when she said she's going to marry her to a wealthy middle-aged farmer by the name of Logan Killicks. A much, a much, okay. much older man. Ugh, this white? grandma had this planned already. There's no way she like saw her kissing a boy and then immediately was like, you need to get married and I know just the man. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, she obviously had someone ready Middle to go. Middle-aged. Yeah. And, and, well, and Janie's <laughs> freaking out, so Nanny explains her own life background to sort of teach her a bit of a lesson. And this is the heaviest part of the book. Okay. So Nanny reflects on, you know, her life and she she was born into the last part of slavery in the United States. And then growing up, she was raped by her white master, in quotation marks. Ew, I knew that's what uh. it was going to be. Dave, I knew that's what it was going to be. I know, sorry. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the heavy part of the book. Yes. 
There's not much. There's no other scenes like this in the book. But uh, yeah, so Nanny's just telling Janie what happened to her, and then she gave birth to Janie's mum, who then uh, and she ran away with the mum to escape punishment from the master's wife, who was very upset when she found out that uh, one of their slaves was pregnant. Mm. Uh, then Nanny raised Janie's mum, who seemed like she was going to live a very happy life until she too was raped by her school teacher. Oh, for F's sake. And she gave oh. birth to, to Janie, our main character, and then started drinking from the trauma and then she disappeared. So Janie doesn't even know her mum. No, little Janie. So that's the, that's the traumatic stuff there, guys. That's why I asked, is the Logan guy white? Oh, no, he's not. Okay. It's <laughs> like it's... Anyway. <laughs> um, and Nanny tells Janie this, her horrific past, to emphasize that all she's ever prayed for in life is to stay, stay alive long enough for Janie to grow up because she's her guardian. And that now doesn't she's mean all... push her into adulthood when she's still a child, <laughs> Nanny. <laughs> well, Nanny worries that she's, she's very old and that she's going to die soon. And she Aww. thinks that marrying her off to a wealthy farmer is the only way to ensure she'll have security and protection when she's gone. So that's, that's her angle. Not sure if we agree with it, but she explains <laughs> that's her angle. It's different times, you know. I, it's my understanding <laughs> that it was much harder for a women to have jobs back then. Yes, absolutely. I mean, these, remember at the start of the book, they were freaking out that she was wearing overalls. Yeah, because you can't own property as a woman. So understandable that they want you to marry off to someone. Mm. And despite initial protests from Janie, Nanny organises her to be married to this much older man, Logan, and they have a big wedding. And Janie understands that she doesn't yet love her husband, but in time she thinks she will because that's what Nanny's been telling her. She's like, you don't love him now, but you'll learn to love him. <laughs> but, but two months into the marriage, Janie is very bored and comes to, na- to Nanny worried <laughs> that she'll never love Logan. He's unromantic for one and very unattractive for two. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you were going to say, and also he's so ugly. Yeah, she ain't into him. She ain't into him. <laughs> oh, poor Janie. I just love the, the use of the word bored two months in. And, like, bored is such a funny word. But not, like, unfulfilled, um, uninterested, but bored. Bored, oh. oh. <laughs> so, I imagine Logan comes in from the farm. Hi, honey. And she's just like, ugh, oh, oh, You again. <laughs> oh, my God, with you. So she's bored because Janie's a, she's a real dreamer. Yeah. And she was hoping for, you know, a fun and interesting life. And now she's like, hang on a second. I'm married to this guy who's... And it's clear that he's not really into her either. He just sees her as a companion. Oh, really? So he's not even keen. I mean, that kind of makes me feel better, to be honest, because she's a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. He's He sees her more as like, you know, help around the farm, that kind of thing, but okay, not really. Okay, great. So she's got a part-time job <laughs> is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that part. Nanny is very upset by, oh, by, no. by Janie complaining. And yells at Janie for not appreciating the status, the wealth and security that her husband provides with his 60 acres of land. Nanny's like, growing up, I would have dreamed of having this. Why aren't you happy? Nanny prays to God one last time to care for her granddaughter before dying herself. So she was close to the end. And within the year, Janie comes to the realisation that marriage doesn't necessarily bring love. And the final line of the chapter is, harking back to the start, Janie's first dream was dead. So she became a woman. Oh, shit. Go Janie. Oh. Go Janie. You don't need a man. A man won't fulfill you, Janie. Get out of there. Run, Janie. As me and Naomi have been talking about recently, um, a lot actually, (laughs) um, it's the fact that, I don't don't know if you know this, Dave, but old single women are the happiest out of the demographic. Old single women, the happiest. Um, 
old single men the least happy. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like it, it slowly goes old single men, least happy. Men and women married, meh. Single women, old, the most happy. Thriving. So, so, so I've got no yeah. sh- chance no matter what I do. Well, that's the thing. If you're married, then you are happy. You're the most happy. But if you're married to a woman, then she is, you're basically sucking the happiness out of her. Oh, so you okay, can do right. that. Right. If you want. Yeah. But um, it's in our so interest s- for the men to either die or for us to run away and live in a <laughs> commune, which has been our plan. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, so you've got to decide what you want to do, Dave. Do you want to be selfless and be on your own and be unhappy or suck the life out of somebody else? Oh, no. But you're happy. <laughs> That's a tough choice. <laughs> It's a hypothetical, Dave. Tell us what you want to do. <laughs> I mean, publicly I'm going to look selfless, but uh, behind closed doors it might be different. <laughs> I'm taking the world down with me. Behind closed doors I'm going to marry the love of my life, you piece yeah, of right. shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm such a bad person. Such a bad person. <laughs> well, no one seems happy in this situation because Logan, the husband, he doesn't treat Janie very well. He sees her as a worker and then wants her to plough the field with a mule as well as to keep the house. And <laughs> she's, not, she's not a fan of this. No, that sucks. That's like having two jobs. One day, Janie's out pumping water in the field and an attractive man walks past the property. Oh. Bit of a bit of a Brad Pitt butt going on. <laughs> oh. All right. You got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so. So, so Janie starts possibly again uh, symbolically furiously pumping the water to get his attention. Ooh, and then she <laughs> sort of so whi- funny. She sort of whips around her beautiful long hair, and it gets his attention. And the two start Hello. talking. Uh, his that's name so is. Funny. Oh, I know what a, what a scene. It just reminds me of like doing something that you think will get someone's attention. I'm happy for her that it worked. I remember when you know you know what. I'm not telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? No, I can't. Off. I can't do it. Um, but I think it's so. I think it's so funny that thing. Even in like primary school or something, you're like, if I learn to bounce this ball, yeah, fuck, they're gonna be like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's that bouncing the ball? All right, <laughs> double dribbling all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> So she pumps the water, whips her hair, gets his attention. His name is Joe Starks, and he's from Georgia. Oh, I was like, hang on a second, but <laughs> you can see what's going to happen here. <laughs> he's uh, smart and charismatic, and the two really hit it off to the point that Joe stays in the area for the next two weeks, basically so he can keep talking to her every day when she's out in the field. Mm. And she nicknames him Jody. To sound like a girl's name? Not sure. Oh. Not sure why she's gone with that, but that's what she goes with, and he seems to like it. Jody is a big city dreamer and tells Janie of all his plans. He's saved up a lot of money and has heard of a town in Florida founded and run by black people, and he wants to move there. Hell yeah, Jody. Yeah, which sounds like a great invitation. Eventually, well, he extends an invitation because he asks Janie to come with him. Ah, <gasps> yes. And he sort of puts down an, an ultimatum because she's like, oh, I'm already married, and he says, all right, Tomorrow morning, I'm leaving, and uh, I want you to come with me. I'll meet you at the gate, and if you're there, we can go and get married. But if not, I'm going to keep going. So she tosses and turns on the proposal all night. But her mind is made up when she asks her her husband that she doesn't like Logan, what he'd do if she left. 
and he scoffs that no man could possibly want her. And she's like, well, <laughs> you're wrong. What? With her beautiful hair. Yeah, that's right. If she can get a man's attention just by pumping some freaking pump. Yeah, that's Sorry, right. brother, you're in trouble. So she's like, well, you're wrong. And the next day she leaves her husband for Jody, oh, and uh, she, she marries him instead. They go off to this town. Finally, things are looking up. She has the romance she's always dreamt of. I'm happy for her. So just a just a legality question. Did she have to get divorced first or you can just marry any like as many people and the yeah, paperwork's just like I think in this story I got the feeling that you can just marry and I guess there's not as many records. At I don't the time. think they have a national database okay. probably then. Yeah, yeah. So Okay. Sorry, that just it it um yeah, I just got a little bit you know, with the details in my head, it stressed me out a bit. Yeah, no, I, I was also yeah. like, hang on a second, are you going to get divorced? No. Basically, we never hear from Logan again, so in Good. his mind. bye-bye. Oh, okay. In He's his, done. Bye. Yeah, in his mind, his wife just walked away one day and he never saw her again. <laughs> Doesn't sound like <laughs> he, he would care about her anyway. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's yeah. like, uh, at least I still got my mule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the two lovers, Janie and Jody, get to Eatonville in Florida which in reality was one of the first self-governing all-black municipalities in the United States and where the author of this book, Zora Neale Hurston, lived for much of her life. Oh, that's amazing. That's nice. So they get to Eatonville, but they're disappointed to discover that it's just a few shacks and not much of a town at all. But Jody, the dreamer, he jumps into action and buys the land next to the town and quickly expands it, builds a store and a post office. I love Jody. I'm team Jody. He quickly gets his money back by selling the land to other store owners and Jody even gets named as mayor of the town. He becomes very famous. Nice. And Naomi, I'm with you there. You're thinking, great, things oh, are no. finally <laughs> looking up for our Janie. She has a charismatic go-getting husband with money and the town's respect. The end. What more could you want? I wish that the story ended the here. The end. Can I, can, I t- can I have a guess what happens? Oh, please. Okay, so... Uh, Jody has um, isolated Jamie by Janie by taking her away from everything she knows. Um, and she was also, already isolated, Danielle. Okay, Naomi, I'm just trying to get into it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, calm please, down, please. He isolated by taking her away from everybody knows. He's got power. He married her basically immediately, which they say when people try and um, cut you off from people, and when people try and escalate the. Uh, relationship as soon as possible, like moving in together or getting married or all that stuff, they can potentially turn. It's it's a sign that those people could be abusive. Did he abuse her? Well, did I se- guess right? No well, way. Yes, in a way. No, because no. Sarah- Haha, Naomi. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you are so happy about it. <laughs> Sadly, we get a glimpse of the future when, at his inauguration as mayor, someone asked Janie if she'd like to give a speech. You know, the first lady of the town. Mm. But Jody stops her saying that wives, they shouldn't make speeches. Oh, Jody, why'd you do it? Why'd you have to do it? Oh, no. Why'd you have to, you know, build up this, this, this beautiful town free of the scourge of white people? I'm mad. <laughs> Sorry. He also <laughs> forces her to keep her long, beautiful hair tied up in a rag when working at their store because he doesn't want other men to see her, her Oh. Hair. In a rag. In a, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just like that scarf is too sexy. I'm getting you a dirty rag. Yeah. 
So on paper, she's money and a very successful husband. Really, he treats her like a trophy wife and a worker again. Uh. He also he forbids her from hanging around with the trash on the porch of the store, as he describes them, despite that Janie loves to hear their stories. That's sort of main part of the town. People hang out and talk and you know make, tell stories and make jokes, and he's like, that's not a place for you. Oh, he, he says d- that those people are trash. Yeah, but they're his customers. Okay. All right. The, the, the message here is that money corrupts. And also, Janie is still better off without men, but please continue. <laughs> he doesn't let her go to the town's <laughs> events, and when she accuses Jody of being no fun, he tells her he's just being respectable. Sadly, this isn't the life that she'd hoped for yet again. Oh. Over well, the years, what do we have in common here in these two chapters of Janie's life? Let's just think about it. All right, what have we got? Um, men. Oh, okay, I was thinking rags, but okay. No. Yep. <laughs> well, sure. All right. It was the rags. The rags was the issue. Please, Dave. Please. It is men. I know. I'll cop to that. Absolutely. The men in this story are awful. I'll cop to that. <laughs> uh, over the years, her resentment builds as Joe becomes more controlling, but for years she stays silent and internalizes her emotions. And mm. the spark really goes out of their marriage. Sad. Janie becomes more defeated as time passes. She considers running away, but doesn't know where she'd go. She feels too old and unattractive now into her 30s, so a lot of time has passed. While she's bit her her lip, bit her tongue is probably more appropriate phrase, and instead (laughs) submits to Joe whilst quietly just dying on the inside. She also notices one day that Joe, he has also become to look quite old. And he's a bit older. He's maybe 10 years older than her, 5, 10 years older. Oh, so he's ugly now. Yeah, and the once youthful, attractive man has started to sag in many places, it says. There's a few paragraphs on the sagging. There's lots of sags. Sags all over. Yeah, get his ass. Yeah. <laughs> and as well as the sagging, he doesn't move as easily as he once did. Joe actually has a go at Janie about how old she looks, but she realizes pretty quickly that he's just lashing out at her because of how old he looks and feels. Mm-hmm. Good on her for knowing that. Yeah, she gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, lashing out comes more and more and it becomes quite cruel and it all boils over one day when Janie miscuts some tobacco in their store and to punish her, he berates her in front of a crowd and comments about how old she looks. But Janie <gasps> has finally had enough and Good. very publicly has a go back and says when Joe pulls down his britches, he looks like, quote, the change of life. So <laughs> he don't look so good with his pants off. <laughs> She should have pulled out her rag and shook yeah. her hair. Yeah. yeah. Look at my beautiful hair. Also, you got old yuck dick. Yeah, basically. That's what she said. In front of a crowd of people. And the insult is felt hard by the crowd watching on. And Joe, the once very powerful and most respected leader of the town, is very hurt. It's He was he was asking for that. Sorry. They all, they all laugh at him and he loses his power. He lashes out at Janie and makes her leave the store and... It's quite a scene, quite a scene. Mm-hmm. That night, Joe moves into another room in their house. That's how offended he is by what she said. And it seems You'll never almost... see my saggy dick again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate punishment. Janie's like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, oh no, okay. <laughs> it, it seems almost as if Janie's humiliation has mortally wounded the man. He soon becomes bedridden and relies... <laughs> And relies on an untrustworthy man to give him a, a miracle cure, all the while ignoring Janie. Oh my God, he's like forty. What's happening? This is like this is what happens to men when women insult. 
They just literally start dying. <laughs> she makes one quip about about his wang, and now he's dying. <laughs> him a week later just like hobbling along barely can walk my wife said i had a bad dick and (laughs) i I never recovered i have internal bleeding (laughs) now (laughs) well she consults a doctor who tells her that joe is dying from kidney failure he could have helped him, this is the doctor, if he'd seen Joe two years ago, but he was always too proud to ask for help, and now it's too late. What an idiot. Good. Get rid Jody, of him. Jody, the man, refuses to see Janie, but she forces herself into the room to confront him, saying that if she doesn't talk to him now, quote, it'll be too late. And that's when Joe realises for the first time that he's dying. He's been in denial this whole time. Mm. <laughs> He sobs and begs her not to speak of such things, but Janie has had enough and unleashes on Joe how she's felt over their previous now 20 years of marriage. She speaks of how hard it's been living under him and how he always repressed her and never loved who she really was. She lays it all out. Wow. Finally, having said how she feels, she leaves Joe for the last time. He refuses to see her after that, and he soon dies. So her words are very powerful. (laughs) Is she I have rich to get now? this out now so that you die in the next 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you ask if she's rich now? Yes. Yes, she is. <gasps> Fuck yeah. Yes, 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 yes. She looks herself in the mirror and realizes <laughs> that she's still beautiful and symbolically unties all her hair. Yeah. A, yes. a, glimmer, a glimmer of hope has started to appear. But she knows she must at least appear to be in mourning so, for the rest of the town. So she ties her hair back up. And announces Joe's death to the town. And Joe's funeral is a huge event, unlike the town has ever seen, because he was such a, a famous and important man in his life. Throughout it and the period afterwards, Janie puts on a mask of mourning, but inside she feels a sense of relief and joy. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she burns all her head rags, literally yes. burns them, and starts wearing her long, beautiful hair out again. Great. Oh. Wonderful. Oh, this is so happy a b- for it. Bra burning, but 50 years in advance. Yeah. <laughs> she realises it's not only Joe who she resents, but also Nanny, whom she realises she hated for instilling in her to prize wealth and status over dreams and happiness. How She's it like, goes. I had all that stuff that Nanny said would make me happy, and I was very unhappy for over 20 years. So she wears black for the next six months of mourning, as is expected, a custom of the town. But deep down, she's not in mourning at all. She's getting ready to partay. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> if she was in modern day, she'd be like posting hot pics on Insta. And that's how you know. Oh, that's absolutely. how you know he died. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, a man's gone. A man's gone. She's got her tits out. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, she's just got her hair out. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Hey everyone, just Dave dropping in to tell you that this week's episode of BookCheat is brought to you by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. If you get the Audible app right now, you will see bestsellers, memoirs, news and current affairs, business, self-development books, science fiction, crime stuff, and of course, all of the classics. Nearly every book or play I've ever covered on BookCheat is on Audible. And the way it works is if you're an Audible member like me, you get a credit every month to pick any title plus two Audible originals. And once you've got them downloaded or you start streaming them, you're on your way. You can listen to them in the car, at the gym, at the beach, lying in bed, falling asleep. Not a lot of people that do that. 
flying a plane. Don't know so many people that do that, but maybe you can. I don't know, but stay safe. But Audible really has been a game changer and is the best place to listen to spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. And I said nearly every classic I've ever covered on BookCheat is on Audible, including this week's topic, Their Eyes Were Watching God. I said at the top they use a lot of the dialect of the characters, and I read online a few good reads of reviews, let me tell you. People said they struggled to get through that. If you're one of those people you want to get more out of this book, why not listen to a professional actor read it to you? Rather than having to decipher the words yourself, you can just hear someone say them. And not just anyone, but Ruby D, who was an Academy Award-nominated actor. So that is my tip this month. Their eyes were watching God on Audible. And if you want to become an Audible member like me, all you have to do is go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. And they'll know you came through me, so much appreciated. All right, everyone, back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, now a wealthy widow, as, uh, as we said, Daddy L, Janie starts attracting all sorts of suitors. But she's not interested. She's happy to be free from a man's control. Oh, good work, Janie. She's, she doesn't care that the town will judge her, that she doesn't partner up again. She wears white after six months, as is custom, to show that she's ready to marry again. But that, again, that's just symbolic. She doesn't, really, she doesn't really feel like she wants to marry again. Is that what you get? You get six months well, of my husband's dead, and then a day later you're like, got to remarry. Yeah, honestly, yes. <laughs> so are you only allowed to wear white then if you're single? Or is that just like a thing to say, hey, I can marry? It's it's like being at one of those uh, traffic light parties at all times, where you wear like green. So you could choose ball. to not wear white. What about a debutante ball? Oh right, you're saying that. Hey, I see. When you said the white thing, I my head went to debutante ball. Your head went to traffic light party. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. You wear you go on one of these sorts of I uni parties. I know what parties. you're talking about. <laughs> In case people at home don't know, so you wear green if you are if you are single, yellow if it's complicated, red if you are just there to hang out. Yeah, so everyone wears yellow <laughs> because if you say you're green and then right. someone hits on you that you don't, you can't be like, I have a boyfriend, so you have to wear yellow. I mean, you can still wear green and just say no, thank you. Yeah, but they'll be, they'll be it's like a target. No one wants that mm. much of a target. No woman wants that much of a target. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That, it doesn't seem like it'd be your scene, Danielle. No. <laughs> Everyone wear a mask after how no willing you, you are to hook up tonight. <laughs> so she's single, ready to mingle, but not really interested. The only reminder of her husband, Joe, the controlling man, is the shop, which she still maintains. 
And one day, alone in the shop, everything changes when a tall stranger enters. She instantly forms a connection with this man who makes her laugh. Amazingly, he even asks her... Are you whispering tea cake? I'm whispering tea cake. <laughs> it's tea cake. <laughs> it, it might be. Well, amazingly, he even asked her to play checkers, which she's delighted by. And she even has to be taught the rules because no one's ever asked her to play before. Oh, because it's a game of, of, of it's a game for men? That's right. Jody never would have let her play. Oh, I fucking hate Jody. Uh-huh. I take back all the good things I said about Jody. I oh, know, sorry. I really, I was, I was hoping you weren't going to say too many good things. I knew you were going to flip on him. <laughs> and as a result, you. <laughs> yeah. You, you, oh, trap me. you trap me in that. Come on, I'm more tea cake than I am, Jody. Please. <laughs> I hope. I love, I love board games. Play them all the time. <laughs> so he teaches her, this, this man, who we still don't know who it is, by the way. Um, he teaches her, he teaches her to play checkers. And the two laugh while playing. They have a great time. He re- his name remains a mystery for a long time, but eventually he reveals his name is Virgible Woods. Oh. But everyone calls tea-cake. him Tea Cake. <laughs> yeah, Tea Cake's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you're right. Tea Cake is an improvement from Virgible. <laughs> Virgible. It sounds too much like gerbil jumbled up. Virgin oh, gerbil is. I would rather be called Tea Cake. <laughs> his name is Virgin Gerbil. <laughs> No what? No wonder. Tea cake. I get it. She. So he says, call me tea cake. And she calls him Mr. Cake for a while. And he's like, no, please. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Cake was my father. No, he doesn't have it. He says, says, just call me tea cake. So they do. And they laugh and play into the early hours of the morning. And he walks her home. And it's all, it's a very nice sort of meat cute type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tea cake doesn't return to the store for a week, however. And in that time, Janie began to worry that he's only interested in her for her money. So she decides to snub him next time she sees him. Oh, she made a whole plan in her head, did she? Mm. But then he turns up and he's so funny <laughs> pretending to be a guitar <laughs> that she can't help what? but laugh. <laughs> he starts making guitar noises at her <laughs> and she thinks it's so funny. She, she's like, all right, all right, you got me. I'm not mad. I like you. I wasn't going to talk to him, but then he was a guitar and that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds funny just thinking about it. I mean, it's so it's so obscure, it's so random that it had to have been good. Yeah, it just might work. <laughs> it's like when Danielle thinks about prawns. Okay, Naomi, no need to bring that up. I'm going to have a breakdown. <laughs> uh, uh, do you just hate the idea of them? No, I have this... Um, <laughs> There's a specific thing that when I think about, um, I start to cry and laugh and it's just the idea um, and it's not going to... Oh my gosh, she's she's off. I shouldn't have said it. Okay, so every time I think about prawns... (laughs) What do you mean? I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. Okay, so... I imagine sometimes I think of a prawn, but, but the prawn's the size of a human. But like, a, there's like a really big prawn. And then, and then I try and imagine the prawn trying to eat a human. 
She's pro- <laughs> she's got a tissue. She's dabbing her up. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Naomi, why'd you do that to me? <laughs> Naomi, how often does this happen? I we brought it up once on the podcast, but I just thought of it again, and I thought I haven't seen that in a while. So I had to that is it. so funny. <laughs> we got to move on. Okay. Anyway, T's take was being a guitar. Oh, yeah. He's being a guitar or a prawn, however you want to look at it. <laughs> she, can't, she can't even look. It's like she's been cutting onions. <laughs> I'm going to mute myself for a bit. She's crying. <laughs> oh, man, this is so funny. Just watching someone have a breakdown in the Zoom window. It's funny because it's something that she thinks about. Like, it's not like it's the first time. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm good. Okay. Right. So, Tea Cake, let me tell you about this guy. He's actually 12 years younger. Oh, than get Jamie. it. So, the get men, it, Jamie. Men she's been with before. Sorry, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> I'll just be here for a bit. Just keep going. I'll just cry for a bit longer. So they get on really, really well, but she's like, oh, I don't know about this, the age gap. Are you really interested in me? I'm way older than you. And he's like, I really am interested in you. So he's like, in fact, I'm so interested. I want to go public. So he picks her up in an old beaten up car because he's very poor and she's quite wealthy. And uh, he says, let's go to the town picnic together. That's how public I want to be. And going in public at the picnic makes them become the target of town gossip and really causes a scandal. How could the widow of the mayor be with such a poor man like Tea Cake? And then he warned Janie that Tea Cake is probably just using her for her money. But she doesn't care. She's finally being treated the way she always wanted mm-hmm. to. That's good. Yeah, right? You can have a nice little... It doesn't matter. She's got the money now. As long as she's happy. Be happy with tea cake. She decides that she wants to sell the store in order to leave town and marry tea cake because, and then that way they'll get away from the gossip and the comparison to her old husband. And her friend tells her, her friend Phoebe tells her <laughs> that she should be careful, um, but she's happy that her friends finally found happiness. So they move, uh, well, they meet again in Jacksonville, also in, Flor- in Florida, and the two are immediately married. So she's now onto her, her third husband. But I guess this one has less legality, even if there was a thing, Danielle, because her second husband died. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just in case things go wrong, Janie keeps $200, a sizable sum of money pinned inside her clothes. And they live together for a week and all is well. Until one morning, TK goes off fishing and then doesn't come back. No! And then Janie discovers that the $200 is missing. Are you serious? She begins to worry and think that all the people that warned her about tea cake being after her money was right. She's really worried. But eventually he does come back the next day with a wild story. What do you think of this? He tells her he saw the money and lost control of his senses and spent it on a huge dinner for his poor friends, buying chicken for everyone and throwing a huge party. Was chicken harder to come by back then? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He he bought like a lot of chicken. Oh shit! Couple of couple of KFC big buckets maybe. Yeah, he's going. He's buying half the shop. Oof! Chicken feast. He also bought a guitar, and he comes home oh. with a guitar, and that's depressing because now he doesn't get to be the guitar. 
<laughs> oh no, so he's no longer That's the guitar. That's not funny at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he's worried that Janie wouldn't want want to see his poor friends. And that she thought she might leave him if, if she did. So that's why he just took the money and took, threw the party without inviting mm. her, basically. And she tells him that she would have liked to come the next time he should bring her. And as for the matter of the money, Tea Cake turned $200 into $12. But he promises he'll get it back for her. How, you ask? Well, he tells Janie not to worry. She's married the best gambler in all of Florida. Oh, for F's sake. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> is this like all her money or is it just like a big chunk? No. She secretly got twelve hundred dollars in the bank, oh. but oh, wow. okay. but two hundred dollars. It is still it's you know it's it's thousands and thousands of yeah. dollars. Yeah, but you know she's all right. And he promises to win her money back with card and dice gambling games. Oh, for fuck's sake! So we've had mm. we've had pedophile husband, and then we've yeah. had freaking um, abusive, um, you know, controlling husband, and now we have gambling husband. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad she kills him. Obviously, that's going to happen. <laughs> well, amazingly, he actually does win the money back. But not without further worry, he comes home late from a big game, having been stabbed twice by the man he beat. Oh. Fortunately, he's okay. It's superficial stab wounds. But the good news is he managed to turn the $12 into $322. Oh, hell. So he's made a profit, but he's also Great. been stabbed. <laughs> so... What do you think of that? This man that she obviously has fallen head over heels for has taken, stolen from her and then has revealed that he's a gambler. I thought they'd be two deal breakers, but not for Janie. Quote, he drifted off to sleep and Janie looked down on him and felt a self-crushing love. So her soul crawled out from its hiding place. Oh, that's really sweet, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she really loves well, him. He, despite- he has issues, but I don't. he's not trying to harm her or control her, you know? His issues are not um, against her, if that makes sense, if I'm making any sense at all. No, that's right. And this is when Janie reveals she's actually got $1,200 in the bank and he tells her, I don't want you to ever touch that money. I'm going to provide for you by working. And he says, let's move to the Everglades in Florida and I'll work down there and I'll make the money that we live on. So don't worry, you don't have to provide for, for our family. They move to the fertile soil of the Everglades and Tea Cake works in the, quote, muck, which is planting beans by day. And then he gambles with dice at night. And uh, he Beautiful. actually t- seem, seems to be quite, quite profitable. <laughs> he teaches Janie to shoot a gun. She becomes better than him. She goes hunting <laughs> quite a bit. Everything, everything's great. Of course. She's completely besotted. Their house is the local party house and they have friends over for parties. It's oh, all very social. Party, party. Completely Completely unlike her town of Eatonville, she wonders what they'd think if they could see her now. Probably mm. just jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably just jealous, I reckon. <laughs> then one day, in the second season at the Everglades, Janie asks a group of Native American people why they're leaving town. And they tell her a hurricane is coming. Oh, shit. The rest of the town flees, but Tea Cake opts to stay. So the few people that are, that are there, he has over for a house party. And they're all having fun until the hurricane gets quite close and they all even start to panic. <laughs> Who could have known? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. The storm cuts the power and uh, Janie and Tea Cake are in the dark. And we get the title line there. It says, quote, they seem to be staring at the dark, but their eyes were watching God. Uh. End quote. So that's where the title comes from. Ah. Uh. 
And there's a huge flood outside and they have to flee to higher ground because uh, a dam breaks and there's all this water pouring in and there's chaos everywhere. People and bits of houses are floating away. There's 200 mile an hour winds. It's absolutely crazy. And then? Well, she's walking. they're walking <laughs> along trying to get to higher ground. Jenny reaches for a piece of corrugated iron sort of to hide under. Oh, no. Oh, no. But she trips and falls into the flood water. And has to swim really hard to not be dragged away. She sees a cow swimming past with a dog on its back, which makes me That's laugh. funny. That might even be funny on the guitar thing. I've never, really, I've never really thought about it. I've never really thought about if cows could swim before. I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess they can. But And apparently also dogs can use them as surfboards, which I think is So she's in the water and T-Cake's on the bank and he yells out, grab the cow's tail, grab the cow's tail for something to grab onto, which she does. Okay. But so first of all, nobody has taught <laughs> anybody in this story how to swim in floodwaters, which is that oh, if you ever, okay, in, everybody knows we have monsoon season in North Queensland and you're told from a young child, if you somehow get in floodwaters, you never try and swim upstream or try and swim directly over or anything you just swim towards the bank and then slowly the like you'll end up on the bank never fight it just go with the go with go with the water and aim your body towards the bank and then you'll right. end up on the bank and then you can climb out Use of all the your water. energies to Don't, go to the side right. yes and you shouldn't even need to use that much energy yeah. Do they ever mention what you should do if there's a cow in the water with you? Stay away from the fucking cow. You'll get don't clobbered pull, under. Yeah, don't pull it. What if the cow kicks you? You're at its back end. Don't head towards the cow. The cow's also probably going to drown. Mm. <laughs> well, T-Cake's like, Jack, grab the cow's tail. And she does. But as she does, so the dog on the cow's back, the surfing dog, gets very aggressive and comes for her. T-Cake jumps into the water and gets to Janie just in time to fend off the dog, but got bitten on the cheek in the process. He what? has to stab and kill the dog, but then he, her and Janie, him and Janie get to safety. On oh, the cow? This all happens on <laughs> <No>. the cow? <laughs> on the cow. <laughs> yeah, the rest, of the, story, the rest of the story takes place on the back of the cow. <laughs> so they survive. T-Cake's been bitten and Janie says, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Appreciate you saving my life. Appreciate that. Not everyone was as lucky in the in the hurricane. Lots of there were lots of death and destruction, but they made it out. And life goes back to somewhat to normal with Tea Cake working to repair the dam that broke. But one day he comes home from work with a headache. Oh no! He's hungry, but he can't eat, and he wakes up choking in the night. And the next day he gags whilst drinking water, and even throws the glass on the floor. Rabies. Uh oh. Rabies. Uh oh. I got it. It's rabies. What? <laughs> well, Janie is panicking, so she calls in Dr. Simmons, a local white doctor that they all know, who hears what's happened to T-Cake and quietly takes Janie aside and says, I reckon he's got yes! rabies from, from oh, the no. dog that bit him on the cheek. Yes! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, like, happy he has rabies. I'm just happy that I guessed. Happy to be he's right. He's not real. This is fiction. <laughs> well, rabies, rabies is incredibly deadly if left untreated, and the doctor tells her it's probably too late. Mm and that T-Cake's likely to suffer something awful before he dies. He also says that he's likely to bite someone else, including Janie, before he dies, and he really should be taken to a hospital and tied down. But Janie refuses, saying, I'll look after him, and the doctor promises to order medicine that T-Cake should have had three weeks earlier if he's going to live. 
but they're going to okay, try so anyway. Wh- when you get rabies, if you're a human, does it still make you aggressive and want to bite people? Yeah. Isn't that, well, according to this book anyway, water yeah. Or something. You don't want to drink water. Yeah, you become afraid of water. Well, that dog must have been terrified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's why he was on the back of a cow. Why else would he be? Why the fuck was he near the flood water in the first place? <laughs> okay, there was a hurricane, Danielle. I'm sure he didn't just walk down and see white water rapids and be like, I'm scared of this time to jump on a cow. Let's not blame the dog. <laughs> okay, well, I'm blaming this stupid dog. <laughs> well, Janie couldn't quite believe the news and felt incredibly guilty that the dog bit tea cake while saving her life. She wished that she'd just fallen off the cow and just drowned herself and the tea cake could have gone on living. No, Janie. Think of your beautiful hair. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Another side effect of having rabies is paranoia and delusional thoughts, which manifest in tea cake in the form of jealousy. He catches Janie going to get the medicine from the doctor and he accuses her of sneaking off to see the brother of a local woman. She's able to convince him otherwise and that really I'm just getting your medicine. The two share a nice moment in the end. She's beginning to worry about her age again. And he says, quote, God made you spend your old days with someone else and saved up your young girl days to spend with me. That's a very nice line. Yeah. But then whilst in bed having this nice moment, she's alarmed to find that Tea Cake has a gun hidden under his pillow. Oh, no. When he continues to act strange and gets aggressive when she starts to leave to get more medicine, she knew she had to act. When Tea Cake went to the bathroom, she checked the gun and found that it had three bullets in its six chambers. She thinks about emptying it, but worries that he'd flip out if he found the gun empty because he's already paranoid. So she instead rolls the chamber so the first three shots were empty of bullets. So if he uses the gun, he'll have to pull the trigger four times to get the first bullet out, mm. hopefully giving her okay. enough time to get away. Oh, oh no. She, al- she also <laughs> takes the rifle out from behind the bed, just in case. He falls back asleep when he returns from the toilet, but she soon hears him wake up and ask in a very strange voice why she no longer sleeps in the bed with him. Janie reminds him that that was the doctor's orders that he's got to sleep alone until he gets better. And then she notices that Tea Cake is holding the gun. Oh, no. Uh-oh. He points it at her breast. He accuses her of mistreatment and pulls the trigger once. Janie grabs the uh-huh. rifle and as he pulls the trigger again, she loads in her own shell. She Uh-oh. hoped the rifle would scare him, but he has a cold, dead look in his eyes as he pulls the trigger a third time. Janie has to act. This is, this is good writing, okay? Uh, this, is, this is intense, right? This is great writing. <laughs> Janie has to act, and she pulls the trigger of her rifle a split second before he pulls his for the fourth time. Uh. Tea Cake is shot in the chest, and his own bullet fires into the rafters above her head oh, so fuck. he gets hit oh. as he's firing so he misses her oh jane Janie rushes over and he falls into her arms dead oh, no. she tells him she loves him as she cradles his dead body oh my goodness oh, what a scene oh my god poor oh. little tea cake i was gonna say poor Janie, but <laughs> well, all, well <laughs> yeah. it, what tea cake had rabies okay he wasn't like really trying to kill her he was having delusions yeah, but imagine watching your partner go through that. I mean, also, I'll they're turning into Jamie, a different person. Women can handle things. This is like I always have the most sympathy for like old men in movies, you know, because it's like they don't know how to handle any emotion. And when they're sad, <laughs> I like want to die. <laughs> but if it's a woman, I'm like, she'll be right. <laughs> she'll figure something out. 
Well, it's not over for Jania, I'm afraid to say. She's almost immediately arrested for murder oh, and put on trial. Oh, come on with this. <laughs> what? She, she did did the doctor to... say he had rabies? <laughs> yeah, well, she's put on trial a few hours later. Evidence is presented to an all-male or white, white jury. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fortunately, the doctor gets on the stand as well, and they all believe Janie's story, and she's pretty quickly found not guilty. So that's all oh, one okay. day. <laughs> Okay, well, that's actually the most unbelievable thing in this yeah. novel because the, typically all white male juries are not going to believe that a, a, um, a woman of like, colour didn't myself. murder a man. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> She'd say one thing and they're like, ah, oh, she seems hysterical. <laughs> well, once um, uh, she's found not guilty, other uh, some of her friends, the black men in the town, actually say uh, if it had been a, a black man on trial for shooting anyone else, they would have definitely found him guilty. But because she, mm. quote, only shot a black man and not oh. a white person, they don't care as much. It's basically what, what they insinuate. Yeah. But that, that's all one That's one crazy day. She woke up, her husband was mad, she shot him, she, oh. he, she gets arrested, oh. gets tried and found not guilty all in one day. Wow. Efficient. Wow. Efficient system back then. But she had him, uh, tea cake buried in a nice vault and she buried him with a guitar so he could play on. That's nice. That's beautiful. Oh, tea cake. Guys, we've got to the final chapter here oh. because that's her life story retold to Phoebe in that house. She uh, she wow. tells Phoebe that she, st- she stayed in the Everglades a few more weeks, but it reminded her too much of tea cake, and now she's come back to her old town. And as for the townsfolk gossiping, she didn't care what they said about her. Mm. She'd been to the horizon and back. She'd lived and loved like they'd never understand. Let them talk. Who cares? Oh, exactly. They don't know shit. Phoebe listening on was energised by the story, inspired to live more and promised to never let others speak badly of Janie in front of her. The book ends with Janie climbing the stairs and going into her old bedroom in her old big house. The room now felt fresh again and no longer lonely. She thought of tea cake and this is the final paragraph of the book. She says, quote, Of course he wasn't dead. He could never be dead until she herself had finished thinking and feeling. The kiss of his memory made pictures of light and love against the wall. Here was peace. She pulled in her horizon like a great fish net, pulled it from around the waist of the world and draped it over her shoulder. So much of life in its meshes. She called in her soul to see. End Aww, quote and end book. That's so beautiful. I know. There's a lot of beautiful language in, in, the, in the story, i got to say. Aww. Really, really well written. Aww. Aww, Janie. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. So she, she loved and lost, but... Um, All by her 40s. All that happened by her 40s. That's crazy. I know. What, what a life. What a life to live. <laughs> and and 20 years of that was basically just wasted in that store oh, yeah. with her, her husband. She, yeah. 20 she years didn't love. of Jody. She, I know. Ugh. More happened in the last two years than the previous 20 easily. I knew, yeah. I knew Jody was trash. From the moment you started talking yeah. about him, I was like, that guy's no good. <laughs> Let's go back and check the tape on that one. <laughs> Oh, that is actually really beautiful writing. And I like, if someone puts a piece of poetry in front of me, I'm usually like, I cannot tell you whether this is good or bad. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, that's good. That means <laughs> but I really, really like passes, that. Really passes the test then. It does the dumbass test. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Danielle? What, are you, what How are you feeling at the end of that? Um, I feel sad because her, the, her love died and that made me sad. Um, but I, I, yeah, but she still I'm had just the love, sad Danielle. now. 
The yeah, love she has the love, there. but then the rabies thing. That's it. Like, I feel like living with the trauma after of being like he went crazy and then I had to kill him. That that's <laughs> also hard to live with. I think it's a sad. I think it's like a sad like bit for a bit. You'd be quite sad, you know. Yeah, but she's good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's over she's it. Got her yeah, love. she's cool. It's been a few you know, weeks. What is what is time? <laughs> what is time? She still has the love. <laughs> She still carries it with her and a net, Danielle. Did you even hear? Yeah, I heard. I just, I'm just saying. I feel sad still for her. Sad it's like you know that sad happiness. I get it. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, you're a psycho. <laughs> I, know, I, 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 to be honest, I'm halfway between both of you because I also, obviously, am happy that she found happiness. I also feel a bit sad that she lost that happiness. It would have been nicer, obviously, if it kept going. But yeah, mm. it's good that she's able to. Honestly, it's hard for me to I, feel sad for her because I know that she still has her beautiful hair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if there was a, an I, addendum that she went bald, you would be pretty I upset. would be devastated. <laughs> I, I guess also maybe it's like it might be good because maybe their relationship might have turned bad, you know? Like the others like didn't go that well. Yeah. But also like maybe his gambling would have gotten bad. Yeah. Yeah. It did turn bad, because of right, the rabies. But that was but, the rabies, uh, not but not because of him. But yeah, you're but, right. She was allowed one pure love. Yeah, maybe the. Oh, so it's kind of like when like a cool musician dies young after only releasing three very good albums. Mm. But it's like if they kept making music for forty years, it probably wouldn't have been. It would have been good shit forever. house, mate. Yeah, there's no way he would have been able to continue with the gambling of the dice for forever without <laughs> yeah, it yeah. eventually going bad. You know, sounds like he, it was his, pretty good. His gamble. I mean, he did get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's not going to continue for forever. <laughs> so maybe this is the least tragic way. What a lovely book. I lo- well, I, I always get the guests to score it out of five. What? How are you feeling? I feel like, Naomi, you're quite impressed with five. it. Five. Five. I love that. What a great story. Five out of five. five, out of five. I love it. I thought it was a great Fantastic. story about an interesting person. Um who led an interesting life and still has so much more life to live, to be honest. How about you, Danielle? How are you feeling? I'd like to give it um, four out of five because I thought it was uh, good and I enjoyed the story. However, I do think the factual inaccuracy around the um, swimming in river water um, (laughs) just slightly let it down for me. (laughs) You bring it down a whole star because tea tea cake didn't know how to swim in a flood. Well, neither did she. Well, yeah, but that's not, yeah, that's fa- that's should... not a factual inaccuracy. That's just something well, that sh- happened. But there should be a rewrite <laughs> because this is really not, in, you know, teaching young people there should be a footnote. how to act in yeah, a flood. No. Hey, guys, for anyone reading this, this is how you actually <laughs> get out of floodwaters. <laughs> yes, that should be there. I, I didn't <laughs> like that TK gave her the wrong instructions and that then she followed them willingly. Because that seems, if I was in the water and somebody said swim for that cow, I'd still think this sounds like a shit idea. I'm actually not going to swim for this moving cow. I'm probably going to try for the bank. So he's like, swim for the cow. You're like, no. Uh, are you an idiot? <laughs> Piss off, idiot. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I'm going to give it uh, the full five out of five as well, which is, I rarely give on the show, but I thought it was, uh, uh, do you want us a bit of a masterpiece? I really enjoyed it. I thought, yeah, the writing was very poetic, um, made me feel a lot. I will say, if people are interested in reading it, the, it took me a couple of chapters to get through the, uh, the phonetically written language, the dialect. 
But once you get it, it's actually quite fun in your head to have these conversations you're acting out. Mm. I actually found it made it more interesting. But yeah, so if you are out there, maybe you're a student, you're listening to this, I would say persevere through the language because it gets it gets easier. That's what I, that's what I reckon. Hell yeah. That's my tip. Well, great. I'm so happy to have been on for this episode. Oh, thank Amazing you so book. much for what a cool, What a cool author, like first black female author, it sounds like. Is that, do you have a book published? Uh, it's one of the first, it's the first major novel published by a black woman, yeah. So Amazing. the Harlem Renaissance was this thing in New York in the 1920s where yeah, a lot of artists of colour and writers of colour were uh, really changing the game and she was definitely at the forefront of that. Well, I love her and I'm going to read more about her and that's my opinion. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't know about her before Kendra, Sophie and Tracy suggested the book, so I appreciate that. If you want to suggest a book at any time, you can do that. I put it a, a link in the description of this episode. I'll also link to your fantastic podcast, Batch Bitch, oh. which we touched on a little bit at the, at the start of the episode, but just in case people aren't familiar, tell us all about it. It's just us talking um, about reality TV, but mostly yelling at each other. <laughs> I love the The dynamic yes. between you two is very fun. I love it. <laughs> but it's also we get really annoyed at the TV shows. Uh, we look at it through a social political lens, which is the, uh, the um, you know, the, the highbrow way of saying that we just um, think most of the men are annoying. And when the women are toxic, we always like justify their behavior somehow. <laughs> It's editing. It's editing. The producers manipulated this out of them. <laughs> She's actually being really brave. <laughs> and that's who we and, are. And the new season of The Bachelorette is either this week or next week. So you'll have some fresh episodes coming out soon. Oh, yeah. I you imagine. can join us at the start of that beautiful journey, which I'm sure we will get yep. really very bored of and then just talk about our lives. <laughs> yes, that is true. The last episode, the first 20 minutes, we did not mention the... <laughs> bachelor at all <laughs> i think people like that we like oh yeah actually the bachelor anyway <laughs> i guess <laughs> the finale sorry let's get on to it <laughs> yeah yeah that's right it's been building to this for weeks <laughs> all right well uh danielle and naomi thank you so much for joining me really do appreciate that and until next time as always on book treat i will say books forever <laughs> bye bye, bye. <laughs> Hey book cheaters, Dave here at the end of the episode too. Thank you for downloading it. Much appreciated. If this was your first time, thank you so much. Lots of episodes for you to go back through now. I believe it was actually this month, two years ago, that the first episode ever came out when I covered the picture of Dorian Gray. So happy birthday to all you book chooks out there. Thanks so much for sticking with me and uh, yeah, making me read more. That was the aim of the show and you have kept me honest. And we've had some fun along the way, I like to think. Hey, this show is supported by people on Patreon, and the way people do that is they go to this website called Patreon, which you may have heard other people talk about, and it's a way for creators, mostly online, to be supported by uh, people that listen or look at their stuff, and in exchange for supporting a monthly pledge to the show, you get some rewards in exchange. I said exchange twice there. That's how good the exchange rate is. I think we've got a pretty good Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, because this is, of course, a spin-off of Do Go On, the other show I do with Matt and Jess. We started this show and Matt's show Primates and Matt's other show Listen Now and also our Patreon-only show, Phrasing the Bar, and our other Patreon-only show, Do Go Dungeons & Dragons. 
or you played a round of Dungeons and Dragons, hoping to do more some more, some more of that one day. But you get bonus episodes, you get tickets in advance to stuff, you can be part of the Facebook group, you get to vote on Dugo on topics, you get shout outs on that show, but also you get a shout out on Book Cheat, which is this show. And the way it works is people tell me their favourite book and I thank them by reading it out to everyone. So I've got a few names here and a few books standing by. So what do you say we crack in? Alrighty then. So first up today, I would like to thank Seamus Duffy. Seamus Duffy, who's written, Hi Dave. I think I've suggested a book, but never posted here. One of my more recent favourite books is Shogun by James Clavell. It's based on the true story of the first European to go to Japan and study to become a samurai, though it is heavily fictionalised. I've always been obsessed with Japanese history and culture. When I started reading this, the big old dweeb in me couldn't put it down. Love the pod. Books forever. Books forever to you too, Seamus. That sounds really fun. I like that. Next up, I would like to thank Jake Simpson. Hi, Jake. Hope you're doing well in Adelaide. Who's written Greetings, Dave. My favourite book is probably Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. I bought it to read in Thailand for the podcast festival and enjoyed it so much as soon as I got home and sobered up, I read it again. Now, Jake, I'm pretty sure I remember a moment because I was also at the podcast festival where uh, possibly we were sitting by the pool and you and I were the nerdy two reading our books. I'd brought over a um, Tennessee Williams play, I think. And I think I remember looking over and you were reading Catch-22. So very cool. This has come full circle. Uh, he continues, It's the thoughts of a man stationed on an airbase in Italy during World War II who was doing his best to not get killed while all his friends die around him. It's got a bit of a crooked timeline and can be hard to follow, but it's darkly funny and worth the read. Don't read anything else by Joseph Heller, though, because everything else he's written is garbage. Thanks for the tip. That's one of those ones that is frequently requested, so I hope that I can get to it one day. On you, Jake. Roy Phillips has written in. Hi, Dave and co. My favourite book probably has to be Lolita. Obviously, you covered on the show a while back. I listened to it and you mentioned how beautifully it was written. It made me pick it up and while the first 50 or so pages are almost impossible to get through, the writing Nabokov used truly is the best thing I've ever read. That or maybe Anna Karenina. Man, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> it is sort of hard to get through the start, but holy crap, he can string a sentence together. Roy continues, The book that draws me in the most, though, engages me and keeps me coming back, and so would be a favourite for a different reason, is The Last Wish by Andrzej Sapkowski. It's part of the Witcher series, and this one is full of amazing mini-stories that are so engrossing and help flesh out the world. That or Anna Karenina. Keep up the good work, you bloody baller. Books forever! And then he's written Anna Karenina soon. Another one frequently requested. It's on the list. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate that. Hannah writes in, Dave, with multiple A's. Big young adult fiction fan here. Not sure at what point I stopped being a young adult, but it's fine. Definitely not having a quarter-life crisis or whatever. Yeah, I bought myself a guitar for my birthday. Definitely feel that. (laughs) I think mine's more of a third-life crisis at this point. But anyway, young adult gets a bad rap, but I'll give you The Sun by... Jandy Nelson is one of the most beautifully heartbreaking novels I've ever read. It follows twins Jude and Noah as they discover who they are as artists, people, and siblings in the aftermath of their mother's death. The respective art forms of the two protagonists is deeply seeped in the text, and it's just chef's kiss real good. (laughs) I love that. 
Mini shout out to Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Great Aussie young adult sci-fi that had me so invested that I was grasping or gasping at every twist. It's bloody good. Love you, Davo. And Matt, if you're looking at the comments, there you go. Maybe Matt's read this, but if he has, hasn't, I'll pass it on. Next up, we have Riz Arzif. Riz, great to hear from you, man. Riz has written, hey yo all. A lot of really awesome books on this list. My personal favorite is Afterlife by Haruki Murakami. It's one of his shorter works. I personally think his shorter stories are his best stuff. But I feel it's a great jumping off point if you ever want to get into Murakami. I highly recommend his books, especially if you're into music. The way he writes about the music in the stories is amazing. Multiple A's again. Would love to see a couple of Asian authors covered someday. Anyways, love you all. Heart symbol. Thanks, Riz. I would also love to do that. Well, there you go. There's one. Murakami. If anyone else has any Asian authors they'd like me to cover. Or any author, to be honest. There is a link in the description of this episode. But yeah, I would say, probably looking through the hat of suggestions, less Asian authors than I'd like. So please, if you've got them, send them in. I'd like to cover as many different eras and time periods and parts of the world as I can. Thanks, Riz. And finally, Catherine Gray's written. Hi, Dave. Hi, Catherine. My favorite books that I've recently come across is The Realm of the Elderlings, which is a series by Robin Hobb. It's a 16-book series made up of mostly trilogies and has everything you could ever want in a book. Drama, politics, action, romance, magic, and more. Whoa. The series makes for great escapism reading. You're the best. No, you are, Catherine. Thank you so much. That sounds really cool. And thanks to everyone that does support the show, again, at patreon.com slash pod. You make this world a little brighter for Matt, Jess, and I. But that's it, guys. I've got my little puppy, Humphrey, looking at me, wanting to go out. He's scratching at the door, so I probably should get going to that, um, just in case something nasty happens in the room. But uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. You can always get in contact at bookcheatpod on the social medias or bookcheatpod at gmail.com. But I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another new episode. But until then, I'll say thank you so much for listening. And two years in, let's do this. Books forever! Bye, everyone. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. 